it's Summer Bischel. Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Gabe Gonzalez. I'm Kimberly Ann Southwick. And I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. Today we are here to talk about the Angel Season 1 episode, Room with a View. It is probably one of the more beloved episodes of Angel from Season 1. I know that Charisma Carpenter has said it's one of her favorites, which is understandable with the arc we get for Cordelia just within this episode. But I wanted everyone's like, you know, at the top of the episode, just to get everyone's thoughts on how they were, what they felt about this episode before revisiting and what they felt after. Um, Gabe, you go first. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think watching this episode uh, was really exciting for me because we got a lot of great Buffy callbacks. Obviously, we'll get to the burnt diploma. It's really one of my favorite moments in the episode. Yeah. Um, but it is also a Cordelia-centric episode. And I think it's it just re- gives her a really nice arc. And I think it helps us understand who Cordelia is in Angel and that it's not necessarily the same person we saw in Buffy. And obviously, we're going to talk more about her, but uh, the inimitable Beth Grant as um, <laughs> Evil Mom Ghost was a great cameo as well. I feel like even for when this aired, she still was like, she was more of like a. Like you recognized her, not as much as you, we recognize her now, but right even back then, she was like a recognizable like character actor. I feel like she's prolific. Like she's, yeah. I, it's one of those faces where you're like, oh my God, why do I know her from everything? Which is the only reason I know who she is because it's happened to me with her so many yeah. times. <laughs> I'm like, I need to give her respect. Like she's in everything. I need to remember her name. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I always go back to Donnie Darko with her. That's like my, yeah. when I remembered her. Was it your passion for sparkle motion? What it was, her was. <laughs> I'm doubting your, yeah. Commitment uh, to sparkle motion. Commitment to sparkle motion. Yes. <laughs> I just recently lost my pin off my bag that I, like bring to work every day that said sparkle motion on it. (gasps) (laughs) Someone's committed. It's good to know. Uh, Kim, what'd you, what'd you feel? I remembered Dennis. So going into this episode, I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I'm gonna, I know this as soon as she said something about the wall, I was like, oh, okay. But I think that like when I first watched this, I was probably really scared by this episode because Ian knows I don't love scary so I was glad that I had a good memory of parts of this episode, but was still like it was still pleasurable to watch again for sure, especially because of all the Cordy stuff. Definitely, Summer, what'd you think? I loved it for all of the Cordelia stuff. Watching it mm-hmm. with a more critical eye was fascinating. Mm-hmm. They really wanted to set Cordelia up as a meaningful character in this show, a strong character in this show. A hero, somebody who was not only appealing to watch, but could really stand on her own two feet. And I thought the way they showed that was really interesting, especially in the dialogue towards the end of the banishing of this old lady ghost, when she's like, the bitch is back. Like, she calls her a bitch, (laughs) and that's her trigger to be like, oh, I know who I am. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And and it kind of like introduces to the new audiences to who she is too. And she's resilient and doesn't give up. And she's truthfully a hero. She's, she's you know, one of the heroes yeah. of this show. And like for me, I was like, why isn't it just called Cordelia? <laughs> but, right though? I would have watched uh, that fucking spinoff all day. Any day. It Absolutely. would still be on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was thinking about that. Because, like, you know, we've talked so much about, I, I feel like that's going to be the theme of all of our Angel coverage is talking about Cordelia and her arc and everything. Mm-hmm. But they really do kind of show you what they want from her in this show, in this episode, right? They kind of, like, she even talks about, oh, is this me being punished? And then, like you said, Summer, like, that's her trigger where she's like, oh, you called me a bitch? Oh, right, I am going to fuck you up, ghost. Like, and that's kind of showing us, like, 
we are going to show you the depth and also like she is one of the heroes of the show and she is a thing that i really liked is that even though she's like at this point just a human she doesn't even have her visions of course she would know more about like ghosts and demons and be more like but it's rent controlled i don't care about it like she's like yeah. you know dealt with all <laughs> demons and vampires and ghouls so she's like i know what this is i like come from sunnydale and i i like that it just makes sense for her character that she would be like, ah, to deal with a ghost, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think they do a really good job to um, establishing her, that she's not Buffy. Yeah. Right? And I mean, obviously, to us, she's not Buffy, right? But like, right. you know, th this is a spinoff and right. there's a, a strong female character and it's just, just the, you know, the separation and the fact that she's aware of the differences between her and Buffy and like says them out loud. And, you know, illustrates them throughout the episode. I think that was probably important to the show as well. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was thinking about that with, um, I keep thinking of when Summer and Zach and I recorded with Monica Owusu-Breen in For Dirty Girls in Buffy Season 7. She said how, like, writing for a show, you have to write a lot of that in there. Like, telling you what's, like, uh, in case, like, you have to, like, plan for in case someone hasn't watched what's come before right. it. And, like, do, like, quick little recaps and dialogue. And I think this episode did a good job of that. Like you said, Kim, like showing us who she is, but like making sure we know that she is from Buffy, but she is not Buffy. Um, yeah, and I just, yeah, this episode is probably my first like very like favorite one of the beginning of the season. You know, this is episode five. Before it, we were got a little bit of a slow start, and this, I think, because they focus on Cordy, makes it immediately such a more enjoyable episode because she's so enjoyable to watch on screen, and like Charisma Carpenter has such good energy as. Cordelia. Um, so the episode opens, we get Cordelia talking about her commercial that she didn't get. And um, my editor, Ashley, texted me something. And Ashley, I wanted you to actually uh, say what you said in text, because it was a really <laughs> good point. Um, I just said I really liked in the beginning when she was like complaining about the other woman that got the part she didn't use any words like slut or tramp or anything like that she was just like she was supposed to be a housewife and she looked like Catwoman. and i was like my girl not tearing her down but still upset about it <laughs> yes true yeah. yeah i hadn't even thought about that i thought that yeah. was a really good point so yeah i like that and i also i like when charisma's doing cordelia as an actor and like <laughs> it's not terrible, but it's not great. But it's like, that's definitely on purpose to be like, this is how Cordelia acts, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I also, I love that she's like kind of complaining to Doyle. And then Doyle's like, well, you could stay at my place. And she's like, weirder things have happened. Oh, wait, no, they haven't. She's like, very much not interested. <laughs> I like, this was one of the episodes I hated Doyle most. I was like, your sole task is to be the center of an unimportant B-plot and then harass <laughs> Cordelia the entire episode. I was like, my man, come on. He's like, it's like wrestling a tiger. I almost wore her down. And I was like, this language, this character needs to go. Uh, little did I know uh, my instincts were right. But I just cannot stand mm -hmm. him. And then his his B plot is like, I have debt. I'm like, baby, come on. Like, same though. Like, what? Just, I'm really glad we gave most of the real estate to Cordelia this episode because Doyle is not my man. Well, not my man. And like, I, I like Doyle when he's with Angel because it's like, he's at least the more lighthearted one. Mm -hmm. Although I do like how Cordelia is never phased by, like, he's so like, mm. ugh, like, I don't know. I, 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 I love the way she reacts. Not that she should have to, but the way she reacts to him is just like, she doesn't even like give him like 
any leeway and is like, you know, when they're looking <laughs> at the apartment and she just kind of like glares at him and doesn't react and is like, anyway, keeping like keeping moving with my plot. Like she doesn't bother to like pause with him. Well, it's mm. like it's like he's so below her in this is still early Cordy yeah. and Angel, right? So like he's like so below her that like, I mean, and I mean, she did date Xander, but that's beside the point. Um <laughs> He, the fact that he wants to be with her like isn't even on her radar, yeah. or at least she's acting like it's not. So, yeah. I don't know, Kim. What do you think about that though? Because I do like the way she reacts to it. Yeah, no, I think that her keeping her head high, regardless of if it's intentional or if she doesn't even notice that he's like trying that hard, mm-hmm. I think that that just keeps the focus on her and like almost allows for us to forget the implicit misogyny. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> almost um then we get yeah like the i didn't quite get the doyle plot here right because like you said gabe it's like oh he has debt all right like that's it right and then even in the show i think angel comments several times about how like doyle like they don't know a lot about doyle which has been my issue from episode one because i'm just like you just showed up and said you had these visions in angel's apartment and he didn't make any moves on you like to me it's like he hasn't quite fit into place and this episode just it feels like such a throwaway given how little real estate we we are going to have with doyle this season um he's just such a confusing presence for me um and a deeply unlikable man (laughs) i'm sorry oh no (laughs) i can't i mean sometimes the shirts are cute you know we're making bold fashion choices but besides that i don't i'm not getting a lot of worse summer gabe's gabe's coming for your man (laughs) i know that's so funny i have such a different experience of him i love oh i love the actor i just can't stand the character (laughs) yeah Oh my god, that's funny. I like grieved when Doyle was gone. Oh. I was like, how is the show gonna go on? They all work so well together. <laughs> but I think you also like you read about the history of what actually happened mm. and you're like, Oh, that's yeah, so yeah. sad. Like, why? Wow. It's just very sad. I couldn't get that out of my head for this episode and it made all the vagaries mm-hmm. around his debt kind of pop more specifically in my head like he he and angel are at one point having a conversation i'm like is this an allegory for addiction Mm, you know yeah oh yeah i think i read more into it knowing that the actor struggled with addiction Mm. problems Mm. and that's why the b-plot felt more interesting to me than maybe it did Mm. i can see that Mm -hmm. i like it you added that layer of subtext and now i'm having a hmm moment all right Uh uh-oh (laughs) uh-oh Take that game. Boyle <laughs> <laughs> like, and Angel are just like funny together. It's like, you know, handsome, brooding yeah. vampire and like slightly nerdy, like, you know, not as well off demon guy who knows he's there for the B plot. And they just have a mm. lot of good banter. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I do really, really like do. Angel because Angel needs. I grant it eventually becomes Cordelia and we learn that she's the one that's like best to bounce off, but he needs like a, someone lighthearted to bounce off of. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how he takes the piss out yeah. of Angel. <laughs> He's like your overhanging forehead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I don't like, but he's like, leave some for the regular ones. And it's like, I think Doyle's cute. Far cuter than Angel. Oh, God, yeah. I'm like, what is he talking (laughs) about? Like, why wouldn't chicks do? Well, I mean, right. It's always like in these shows where like everyone's gorgeous and one of them's got to be the one that's like, ooh, I'm the dumpy one. I'm like, no one's the dumpy one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who picked the short straw? (laughs) He's like, he's giving like, 
good knockoff of Adam Levine before that body type, I think, was pop culture. Ooh, like, yeah. I'm just thinking back to the time, and I'm like, of course, like a broad-shouldered yeah. man with like spiky gelled hair was the <laughs> was the heartthrob in this show. I can't. That was the that was thing. Oh my god, the spiky Is that gonna be the next Y2K comeback? <laughs> no. Because they I, I saw the thong out of the pants the other day in little Tokyo. I was like, oh. I'll take a Degrassi thong any day, but the spiky hair and the puka shells need to stay where they were. I don't think I could do that again. They do. Unless you're from fucking Hawaii, you have no business wearing puka Thank you. shells. I was gonna say you're coming for my my former style, but I did not wear the puka shells. I wore Kim, what the hell? were those necklaces that we wore the, like a uh, silver bead ones yeah oh i don't know what they're called um, the silver like the skater silver bead yeah ones. whatever those were that were like metal and would turn green because i wore them so much <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no okay so we we learned that like doyle tells cordelia blah 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 call me cordelia gets to her apartment and i really was like wait did i skip ahead is she already in the haunted apartment because of like <laughs> there was Same. so many roaches <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's when she truly becomes a hero surviving that i'm like run girl run <laughs> um i did live in bushwick in 2013 when i first first moved to new york and i, I will say that was like pretty pretty spot on uh for what my apartment looks like. Oh, no. I guess New York and, and LA have very similar real estate scenarios, but I was like, I was there oh. with her for sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. When she's looking at the apartments and it's like barely a joke, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't know if I've told, I know I've told you Kim this story, but uh, I it had gave me flashbacks when I was living in Astoria. It was the nicest apartment I probably will ever live in. It was like newly renovated. The landlord didn't quite realize what he had. Um, and it was like affordable for New York. And it was <laughs> it was pretty big, right, Kim? That apartment was big. Oh, yeah. It looked like it could have been a railroad style apartment that got converted into a regular apartment. But in my bedroom, which was pretty big, the only way I could put an air conditioner unit was right above my bed. So it was the only spot where my bed fit. Twice I woke up with a cockroach on my pillow because it had crawled through. Oh. And like not like a small one, one of the water bug ones that are like giant. Once I, in my sleep, swooshed my face, like I like brushed something off and to open my eyes to see it landing on the pillow next to me. <laughs> yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. And then like it happened again, but it was like I woke up because it was crawling on my arm in my bed. Uh, and I found out they, uh, were, they were getting through uh, my air conditioner unit, but it was the only place to put it. And uh, yeah, um, the first time it happened, I literally ran out in my underwear into my living room and a friend was sleeping on my couch. She was like living there. And I traded rooms with him for a full week. I was like, you can sleep in my room. I'm sleeping on the couch this week. And he was like, all right, great. <laughs> it's got to be a New York rite of passage, truly. Right. I, I will say don't ever live on the first floor by the trash cans. Mm. That was my Bushwick experience. Ah. When I lived in Bed-Stuy, I had a mouse crawl out of the like the light fixture in the center of my room and like, <laughs> jump off it onto my bed. <laughs> Good lord. I, I couldn't sleep after that. I was basically like Cordelia when she wakes up in the morning. And I remember calling into work and like we had to leave a message to explain like why we were going to be late or why we were calling out. And I, I was, I always talk too much. So I told them like the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> out of my oh light fixture up to my bed and I haven't slept since. <laughs> Kim, I remember you telling me that. <laughs> I think it's safe to say we all understand Cordelia or why Cordelia would rather deal with ghosts. Right. Like I feel like we we would all make a similar choice in this instance. <laughs> We've all been there. Any day. Any day. Uh, so we 
we cut to her like going to call Doyle, but before he can answer the phone, he's visited by our B-plot, which is a demon who is there to collect the debt. This episode does a good job because season one didn't do it as often, and I want to say it's because I think this episode was written by Jane Espenson, if I remember correctly. Jane, yeah, Jane Espenson, David Greenwald. Yeah. Um, so Jane Jane Espenson wrote like some of the best Buffy episodes. So it makes sense that this yeah. episode you know, that B plot we don't care about, but it's important for later when all the chaos is going on that Cordelia has to face her ghost, right? Like, mm-hmm. to give us that moment of like, oh no, she's got to stand up. And so that's why I don't mind this B plot, even though it is just like, uh, debt? Okay, sure. Um, Because it leads us, it gets us to that really good, like, ending. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it's that he has debt, he runs away from the guy, he hits him with a drawer, runs away. <laughs> and this is a scene I really like. We get Cordelia arriving at Angel's place and she's freaking out. And um Angel's tids are looking great in this episode. Oh, looks <laughs> awesome. He's like sopping wet. Right. Just out of the shower <laughs> and like clearly embarrassed. So there's a little bit of like, you know, he's not like super cocky. Mm-hmm. There's like a little bit of that thing that makes you like vulnerable and like that's for some reason is even more attractive on him. Yeah. So yes, I very much enjoyed his awkwardness and her like completely not realizing that she's in the presence of this terribly attractive man i enjoyed the scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was just like same thing, whatever. <laughs> like, why are you at? right and like for me the fact that even later when doyle arrives and like she's out of the shower and like what the fuck <sighs> is angel wearing and they're like these like hot wet mostly naked people but like again like you said summer she's just like whatever like it's just angel <laughs> and that makes their that's like so organic uh-huh. for their friendship, right? Like it makes mm-hmm. me love them more that they're these two super hot mm-hmm. people who are like half naked together, but they're not like, ooh, oh no, like, ooh, like they're just like, eh, whatever, that's my friend. Mm-hmm. I, I love when Angel goes antlers. <laughs> I don't know why was, the guy started cracking up. <laughs> and so like, so she's like freaking out. Angel's kind of like, all right, you can stay here. And then Doyle gets in there and she's gotten out of the shower and I want to just pause and talk about Angel's outfit because, like, really, what is he wearing? Oh, my God. (laughs) The Hugh Hefner. (laughs) The Hugh Hefner of it all. I could not with that little chain. (laughs) Like, he's a 2020s fuckboy. I couldn't handle it. Could not handle it. You're right. That really is what it is. It's like he was like a 2020s fuckboy before that, you know, 20 years before that happened. Because the fact that he put on the necklace is just like... Sir. <laughs> like, but he sleeps like that right? too. I'm like, what are you? Is this your loungewear? Like, what's happening? Okay. The robe is open. The necklace is drawn. I always think, um, I think it was like Seth Rogen and Zach Efron when they were doing rounds for what was that movie they did together? Fuck. The fraternity movie. Neighbors? Was that the I think it was neighbors? And he said that the thing about Zach Efron is the way his body's built is that it's all pointing to his dick. And I felt like, and I was thinking that with Angel here, because like the necklace is like pointing right to his chest and it's like right in his cleavage. And he's got like, he's got like that nice V where it's not like perfectly cut, but it's still pointing down there. And like everything looked fantastic. And again, it made me love their friendship more because we didn't get a moment of like awkwardness between the two of them. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that kind of reminded me of like me and you, Kim, right? Like, we're both like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. I gotta get changed, whatever. <laughs> True. I mean, granted, you're straight and I'm gay. So like, there's also that. But th- that felt very mm-hmm. like two friends who are comfortable with each other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I've always been that weird friend that's like, uh, yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> and like, people are always like, what the hell? We've been friends for like fucking the longest we've been alive. Like, I still don't dress in front oh, of Oh, really? <laughs> She's just like, yeah, I'm like that girl. Like, and like, I'm like deeply private and awkward. I'm like, I just don't like being naked in front of anybody, really. <laughs> I feel like so vulnerable and not like just not just sexually vulnerable, but yeah. like, physically like if i had to like run or fight like i all i always sleep well clothed that's funny i i mean i never sleep like totally naked but like i'll sleep in like well, underwear yeah oh gotta have underwear <laughs> Get, yeah. Yeah, my mom my mom actually always says the reason she is very like crazy about sleeping like in like nightgown or whatever is because she like growing up had like a friend who's like house caught on fire and the mom had to run out like covering herself because the mom slept naked. Oh my God. That is so, yeah. You never know, man. You never know. That's what I'm saying. Like how awful would that be? Like getting your kids out of the house and like you're naked and you have to go outside like Jesus Christ. That will never happen to me either. So good. (laughs) Yeah. But so Doyle comes in, he's a little jealous. He has that convo. And it's funny because I don't always love a jealousy scene, but like it makes sense because these two people are like are half naked. She is wet. They are just very casual and almost feels like it is like a couple just like functioning in this apartment mm-hmm. space. So mm-hmm. like I do get his jealousy, right? I love his robe though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. My favorite part is when Angel walks in regarding the peanut butter and ostensibly she's the only person that could be eating peanut butter in that space. And just really commits to it's beautiful. We love someone who deflects responsibility so carelessly. Yeah, yeah I definitely LOL that I don't eat. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't think it was me. I would do that. Like um, yeah. So Doyle and Angel have their convo. It kind of like calms things down. And then we do get the moment you mentioned, Gabe, that I do really like too, where mm. Doyle's looking at the shelf. And I, I also love that she's made herself so at home that she like mm-hmm. has her trophies and her diploma. And she's, what is she ripping up? Like the linoleum? She's looking for hardwood floors. <laughs> I love her. Put her on house hunters. I know. <laughs> I really rewound that because I was like, wait, what the fuck is she doing? And yeah, that's that's what she's doing. Um, and yeah, Gabe, talk about this moment because I do like this this point in the episode too. Yeah, I love this moment for so many reasons. A, it cues you into like what Cordelia feels is most important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The things that you put on the shelf first, the things that you bring with you out of your horrible cockroach infested apartment. But it is also sort of like a little Easter egg for, I think, folks who have watched Buffy. And I don't think it derails the plot, right? Even if you haven't seen Buffy and you don't know what happened at their graduation, I still think it's a a really funny moment. Um, Just the way she kind of like explains it. She's like, yeah, it was a a rough ceremony. Is that what she (laughs) says? (laughs) And it's... It's just such a nice little detail that I think calls back to obviously the show we love and how we know Cordelia, but um, I think says a lot about Cordelia as a character. Yeah, yeah. And I I actually do like what you just said. Like, it's not halting the plot if you already know what's happened because we haven't really <laughs> seen Cordelia discussing those things, right? Yeah. And I like that. And I like... I like that she has her burnt up diploma. It also reminds you that she is only 18, maybe 19 is what it's a good reminder. Right. Of. Yeah. <laughs> because her right. character like instantly feels aged up in Angel. But this is like, like, you know, us, none of us are having like our high school stuff on a shelf, but like a 19 year old, that makes sense that that was their whole life a year ago. So yeah, she'll have all that shit. Yeah. You know? 
And I do like seeing the little burnt up diploma. I think that's cute. I just love that they didn't get new ones. Yeah. They were like, look, you're gonna, we've, this has cost us enough. Like, keep <laughs> yeah. the diplomas we're not oh, reprinting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The school district does not have the budget anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, she says, there it is, my whole life pre here. And then Angel tricks Doyle because we get the conversation where, Doyle asked Cordelia, and we learned that she gave the demon his address because she thought it was a family member. Angel tricks Doyle into thinking that demon's there, and then is like, tell me what's going on. And that's when we get, I guess, the moment, right, where it is just the explanation is like, debt and maybe some other things, but we're not going to talk about the other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually curious, I don't remember, and I'm wondering if any of you do, mm-hmm. do we learn what the other stuff is, or no, not really? Not in this episode, but I don't remember right? Uh, in this season if we do. Because I'm wondering if, I know there's the Bachelor Party episode, right, where we learn he was married Mm -hmm. before this, and I'm like, is is that what he's talking about? But I don't think it is, but maybe, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. (laughs) I mean, when he goes and gets the, so later in the episode, he goes and gets, like, the witchcraft stuff. He's like, oh, I know a guy. It seems like he always knows a guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that creates a sort of, like, tangled web for just this episode alone where we're like, oh, okay, he's got his, like, hands in a lot of cookie jars so we can believe that he has this vague debt that this guy, you know, doesn't necessarily want back, just wants him dead, mm, right? Yeah. Mm. I just realized the other day, yesterday, I don't know, what are days, that I had two episodes of Abbott Elementary left to watch, and I was very excited because I thought I had watched all of it. And I do, Gabe, I know you watch it, right? Love, yeah, absolutely. Kim, I know you haven't watched it, but I know you would love it. Summer, have you watched Abbott Elementary? I haven't, and I hear such good things about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking good. But there's one of the teachers that's like very Philly, and she's always like, you like assume that her family's in the mob and she's like, I got a guy. And she's like super Italian. Mm-hmm. That's what it kind of kept reminding me of that. Like, <laughs> Gabe, do you remember? I don't remember her name. Do you? Lisa Walter. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's the mom in the Lindsay Lohan parent. Oh, yes. Trap. Yes. <laughs> she's great. Yeah. But I, I, I forget the character's movie. name, but yeah. But right, Gabe, that teacher's always like, oh, I can I can fix this. I can do that. Yeah, she's got a chicken guy named Snake and a snake guy named Chicken. You know what I mean? It's a great episode. But so that's God. what I kept thinking of Doyle, because like he knows a guy for that, for the exorcism stuff, for the apartment stuff. Um, and I like that we just leave it at yes, he knows a guy. Like there's no like it was this demon or this guy who does this. It was just, yeah, I know a guy and we'll get it done, and then we do. Mm-hmm. As a plot device, that works for me. I'm like, yep. We're gonna keep moving. Yeah, yeah that's like of course, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, then we get Doyle and Cordelia apartment hunting because Angel made a deal that he would help Doyle with his problem if Doyle helps him with his problem, which is his new roommate. And they go apartment hunting, and it's like, as someone who has uh, done a lot of apartment hunting in New York, it's barely a parody, right? <laughs> like, I know. Real. <laughs> I was thinking, I once saw an apartment that it was like a two bedroom. I forget. It was like something that I was like, this is so cheap. And it was down the street from where I live when we were looking for a new place, me and my roommate. And we walked in and it was like the back shed to an apartment building that had been just like three of them pushed together <laughs> and like walking in and it was a mess. And they were like, oh, well, an artist used this as her space. And me being like, I don't. I, I'm good. And him being like, well, you should see the whole thing. You know, it's very cheap. You just walk through the building to get to the back. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) And I once saw an apartment in Astoria that there was a cockroach on the kitchen table when we came in, just like walking around. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, "Mm, nope. (laughs) (laughs) 
so like the the part when they get to the the one where it's like the bathroom is just a curtain as a wall i was like yeah that i feel like i feel like that's not too too far off from like something that could really that happen. was so creepy i was like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> and we don't even get to see the interior of the one with like the creepy guy standing yeah. across the way. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was good too because it's like, okay, well, it doesn't even matter. But yeah, that cult, that cult one was like, I don't know, that one was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there's, I'm sure, apartments out there where it's like, oh, and we share, blah, blah, blah. And like that's not in the ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever dated anyone off, uh, in a loft off the Morgan L stop in New York City. I have fully uh, visited men whose bedrooms are shower <laughs> curtains in the corner of like, uh, it's wild. It's people do that. It's happening. I've dated them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely once had sex on like where the wall was a curtain and I was like, oh, this is this is a low point. But then it was in New York and it didn't matter. And then it was like, <laughs> right. you just kind of have sex in those places sometimes. <laughs> 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 Certainly not the most public I've ever. One yeah. of my rooms in Astoria when I, when I first, first moved to New York, I lived in like a really, really small, small room that like literally only my bed fit in literally. <laughs> And then we had a new person move in. So I took over the living room. So my bedroom was the living room and there were these like folding doors that weren't doors. And I definitely had a loud threesome in there um, <laughs> while people were like, watching TV like right outside. In your little salon. Not yeah. even a bedroom, just a salon. I was very drunk. <laughs> Listen, right. Yeah. I feel like the the... I don't know if this happens that often in LA, but definitely in New York, it's like the places you've had sex. <laughs> <laughs> LA's so big. It's like, where do I yeah. start? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got whole mountains to cover out there. Y'all are good. Yeah. Clarita Valley. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, their apartment, honey. And then finally, Cordelia's like, all right, call your guy. And I do like that Doyle says that her and Angel always like to do things the hard way. Because, like, sometimes if they just let him call his guy, it would be fine. So they get to this apartment. It's, like, very big and very nice. And I love how excited Cordelia is. It's very cute. And how she's like, I love your guy. And she hugs him. And then she, like, walks out with him arm in arm. It it definitely was on purpose. Maybe not. I don't know. But it feels very Nightmare on Elm Street, the, like, face coming Mm. through the wall. And I think it, like, looks pretty cool. Uh Uh-huh. It does. I was wondering if it was, like, a practical effect that just had, like, plastic and pushed your guy's face. Or if it was, like, CGI. Because, But it works. We cut to Doyle's apartment. Angel is there. And him and the demon have a fight. And I... I don't quite understand the understanding they come to of okay, yeah, he just has to pay, and it's like, well, that's what the that's what the problem was, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, but that's 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 the whole pr- anyway. But so that's their agreement. Angel and Doyle have a talk. Angels, Angel says, "Why do you live like this?" Which I put in my notes. Coming from you, Angel. I know. Like, I'm like, right? whatever, Mister Big. You should have way more money. You've been alive right. forever. <laughs> I'm like, come on. I'm like, yeah. you also like are like this. You just uh, he kind of fails upward, and Doyle just mm-hmm. doesn't quite do that. Well, that is the conversation that I was reading as an allegory for addiction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, oh. I don't know. I'm not suggesting you go back and rewatch it because I know you just did that. But, like, <laughs> yeah, like, for me, like, a lot of what Angel was saying felt like they were, like, having a conversation about, you know, Doyle being a user or, like, a you know, a gambling addict mm. or, you know, on heroin or something. Huh. I mean, I could, I yeah, I could just see that being the conversation of, like, mm-hmm. okay, if that's what you're addressing, Angel, then, like, that makes more sense. But also, like, have a little bit more camera with that conversation, Angel. Yeah, but I feel... 
it might all kind of justify how vague that is, right? They're like trying to leave room for you to fill in yeah. the gaps there. If if I read it as intentional, it seems a lot more interesting, at least than than to assume <laughs> they were just kind of like, eh, well, he's up to something. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I could definitely see that allegory now that you've mentioned it. I'm very swayed on this theory. Yeah, yeah. Kim, you must be a professor. I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then we like pretty quickly get Cordelia in her new apartment, which is we very much find out is haunted, <laughs> haunted by Beth Grant. Her cabinet slams shut, her her radio turns on, her water's boiling, her bed rises up. Um, and I do like that she's like, I'm from Sunnydale, you're not scaring me, but she is like, yeah. Yeah. but she is like a little scared, but also she like immediately clocks what's going on. And I like that then we cut to the next day where she, like Angel and Doyle visit and she is just, I don't want anyone to take me out of this apartment because it is so nice. And like, I just feel that, right? Like, <laughs> they bring her a cactus, and that's like super bad feng shui, um, or however you say that word that I just murdered my pronunciation. <laughs> what do I say? My pronunciation is not my fort. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to bring people cacti as housewarming presents, just so you know. <laughs> I was like, ooh, uh oh. I didn't know that. Is that really like a thing? <laughs> yeah, look it up. Huh. Don't do it. Huh. That's wild. All right. But yeah, I mean, we know it's haunted. So it, it was just, they didn't know. So it was just a, a funny little gesture to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I especially liked this scene, how, you know, she's like really doesn't want to go and like doesn't even want them to come in. Right. <laughs> the fact that Angel just like walks right in. There were some really like good, funny moments. And that was one for me. And she's like, the rules keep changing. Yes. I, I liked that because I wonder if that was like a joke about the show because right somewhere in episode one, I think we talked about that, didn't we? How they're like kind of fast and loose with the angel, with the vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was wondering if that was like a joke about the show because the show is very like, eh, we'll fudge the rules sometimes. They um, are. Which is Yeah, fine. they are kind of going, ah. <laughs> yeah. Summer, what do you think of Cordelia in this scene of her like trying to get them not to see the, the apartments haunted? I'm just like, I mean, I want to mention something that happened even before that. When Doyle and Cordelia are looking at the apartment with the real realtor, um, Cordy's like, oh my god, I love it, I love it, I love it. But she's immediately like, what's wrong with it? Like she, <laughs> she, she's smart. She knows there's a fucking catch. She wants to know what the catch is. She still wants the apartment. But it's interesting that Doyle is the one to say she'll take it. You yeah, know, she's still gonna take it. But she does have reservations, and she was sort of about to grill this woman on why this too good to be true offer is happening. And she immediately spots the wall. that we later see is haunted and knows something's not right with it. And her delivery is like strictly on it, on its aesthetic quality and in typical Cordelia fashion, (laughs) but it's a really astute observation and just like a great character moment that the writers gave her for um, just the instincts that she has and, and, and the, the delivery of them may be unusual and funny, but She's just as alert as anybody else. She's just so smart. Yeah, you know, and that's a show, a thing the show does well, where they'll have like the men be like, oh, she's being Cordelia. But then in the end, she's right. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I kind of love that. It's like, well, if you listen to her more, like she she does know, like just because you think like, oh, she's like girly. So she must be stupid. It's like, no, she's fucking smart. She's observant. Yes. (laughs) And I do love that they're like, all right, we got to get out of here. Once it starts getting like, crazy like literally die on the wall (laughs) and she's 
She's like, maybe it's just, it's rude, but maybe they're just telling me to dye it. Maybe it's not finished right. <laughs> I know. I know. You will not give that place. I wouldn't give that place up after those horror shows she saw. I mean, I mean, we said it, but like, I would rather deal with a ghost than all those cockroaches. Like, no, thank you. Way rather. <laughs> And like this summer, I felt like you would have uh, a little bit of, you'd be like, excuse me, I worked on the magicians. I can do this. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, actually, she has that funny part where she, where like the, the ghost is like risen her bed and she's like, I'm from Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love Cordelia. So we get, um, as she's pulling out, she has, to, as they're pulling her out, I love the lines that she's like. The, the delivery of I'm not giving up this apartment. It's rent controlled. Like I love her delivery mm-hmm. of that line. I and when know. She, and when she's like, I will die before I give up this apartment. And then our, our ghost is like, okay, dear, if that's what you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the gang goes back to angel investigations to kind of like figure out what's going on. I forgot to put it in my notes. I forget what, like what leads him to go to Kate. Is it that like they, is it that they think the old lady was murdered is that what it is? It's oh, like a cold case. No, I think yeah. He talks to her about like uh, a deaths in that building. He's like looking into deaths, and I don't think they can find any. And he like implies that like someone killed a bunch of people and made it look like a suicide. Mm. That's yeah, the, the, the whole yeah. list of people, I guess, that have died in murder suicides because he thinks uh, that mm-hmm. the son murdered. The, they're like, oh, the oh, son right. really murdered the mom. She was only fifty-seven, and then yeah, made it look like a suicide. Wait, do they say fifty-seven? Is that the age they give? Yeah, she was soups young. Oh, because they they do her up like she is like seventy-five. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> God. Wild. Uh, she was, yeah, the axed golden girl in that. <laughs> right? The way outfit, they dress her. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. God, but isn't it like in season one, the golden girls are actually only like 55? Yeah. They're all, they, <laughs> they all got aged up too. It's so unfair. <laughs> God forbid a 50 year old woman exists on television. Exactly. <laughs> they have that important conversation though here where Cordelia talks about how she thinks she's being punished for her yes. behavior in mm. high school. Uh, yes. Before they kind of go and like figure out the stuff about Maud Pearson. And Kim, I'm curious, what do you think about that? Because I, it almost feels a little too on the nose for her to say it out loud. But then I like it for where we go at the end where it's like, ah, now she's fine. Yeah, I think that we need her to say it out loud. Like kind of like what we were saying before about how like, you know, this isn't Buffy and perhaps like, you know, the, the spinoff has new watchers, people that haven't yeah. seen Buffy. So they, they need to know that she was like the top bitch. Um, yeah. And they they sort of, I guess, give us hints of that with her ignoring the call from Aura and Mm. with the trophies Mm. and everything, but that she's like aware of this and that she has these fears and reservations. I think it's just important that we know that she's afraid that she was too, too bad, too Mm. cruel in high school to live a good life following high school, right? There's that whole stereotype of people, uh, you know, living their best years in high school. And she really sees herself as something, somebody who that could be possible for unless she like, I, 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 she feels like she needs to to do something to, you know, repent for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Summer, how do you feel about that? I mean, I don't know. I notice more the theme of like, that was all there. I'm sure the theme that I focused on more for her this episode was her dealing with her self-worth and identity yeah. without having a lot of things and a lot of material and obvious accomplishments. Yeah. That it, like it's sometimes I, I, I will say I did find a little problematic, 
but um like she was like i don't know like the apartment was in like the barrio or like the ghetto or something like (laughs) something about that kind of irked me a bit you know it was like well you know some people live in right lower income neighborhoods you know there was there were parts where i actually for the first time was like ugh, gross (laughs) but then also still loved the themes that they were introducing for her and the character building moments that they were having her go through as far as grieving having come from a lot yeah and and realizing that she now has to make that for herself as far as like the penance i think that was pretty funny and i think she really didn't change who she was entirely though because at the end she's like oh my god she's like the last right, line yeah. she has it, of the episode is she's nasty it's like <laughs> i don't think she deserves anything bad to happen yeah. to her especially for such youthful and young behavior right you know but she i you know i mean technically she was a bully at right. sunnydale she was a bully And then we're seeing her evolve out of that. But there was some of like, I felt like there was some economic like prejudice for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I will agree with you, Summer. I, when she was saying that, I was like, "Mm, Uh not the best. The barrio or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It reminds me of when I, when you first start watching Schitt's Creek and you're like, I don't like these people and the whole show's (laughs) about them. And then like the show like totally like flips that for you. Yes. (laughs) It does. (laughs) But also, Cordy dated Xander, and I feel like like, she repented enough by, like, you know, (laughs) having to date him. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Also, fair point, Jim. Also, Uh, like, like, Sunnydale wasn't Montecito, Cordy. Like, like, (laughs) was she the only rich girl in town? Like, Sunnydale felt like Valencia to me. You know, like no shade at all, but it didn't feel like they were in like this like posh right pocket of the world. I don't know. Well, and they're always trying to push that like, you know, like I I just recently recorded for uh, Prophecy Girl and like Buffy's mom buys her a dress and they make a big deal of the fact that Buffy's like, you can't afford this mom. And it's like, they have a really big house, but like, it is supposed to be like, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, TV's version of it's like in when like someone's poor in New York, but on TV, but they have this giant fucking apartment. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like friends that they, they finally explain. (laughs) I remember when I was watching like the first season of girls, and I was like, this is bordering on science fiction. If her parents aren't paying her <laughs> rent and she doesn't have a job, mm-hmm. how is that apartment being paid for? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Also, how's your hair looking so fly? Because the <laughs> first thing that goes when I've been down and out is them, them good, good highlights. <laughs> and Cordelia's hair looks fucking fantastic this yeah. entire episode. She exactly. has great hair, I think. She just does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then we get, uh, she, you know, she's talking about the ghost. She's like, oh, it's an old lady ghost. How, <laughs> how come Patrick Swayze is never dead when you need him? And Yo, I was like, one of my favorite lines. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, so Angel goes to visit Kate. Kate is one of my most hated Buffyverse characters. <laughs> but I, this Aww. relationship... I'm like, yes, I wish this was their relationship. Like, if we're always just like, oh, he goes to her for help. She is willing to help. Fine. But, like, she becomes so... It goes back and forth so often with them that I just end up not liking her. She's just a justice blocker. Right? (laughs) 
I'm like, stop justice blocking. (laughs) And she's always wrong. Like, always. (laughs) Always. Angel approves himself. And then the next episode, it's like a reset where she's like, ooh, you're evil. And it's like, but yeah. You just came to an understanding last time you saw him. Oh my god, when like three episodes elapsed and then she was like, by the way, I'm still mad about my dead dad. And I was like, I had <laughs> fully forgotten. I'm so sorry, Kate. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> um, they even have like a cute whatever when she's like, pop stars and popes, those are the one name guys. And he's like, you got me, I'm a pope. Like that's like a cute interaction, all right? Yeah. yeah. She gives him the files and Kim, what do they, what's like the, you said this before, I feel like what's the outcome here? They think it's a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he he asks her about suicides, right? Yeah, but it doesn't. It's weren't torn. Like the whole scene is stupid because it doesn't even matter, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, they mm-hmm. could have still been at Angel Investigations, and Doyle could have gotten the phone call. Like, that, why do they have to be at separate places? How do they both wind up in the same car? Like, it just it raises too many questions. They just needed us to see Kate this episode so we didn't forget she existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like yeah. they were like, well got to put her in to remind you of her um they were like oh she was 10 out of 13 (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) um so (laughs) summer did you just use the same line that you use about yourself (laughs) 10 out of 13 is just a common deal (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like a lot of people are 10 out of 13 on shows (laughs) would that be a thing for even for a character like her that's a very side character would she have like a season deal you know what? I have no idea. I think that's 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 all reps and mm, okay. everything. Everything's so different, and I have no idea how things worked then. You know, True. yeah. It seems like everyone was getting fucked on how much they were paid, and yeah, it just seems like a different. Yeah, I, there's like an interview with Sam Michelle Geller. I forget what she said she was being paid, but like compared to like any other like leading men, it was like next to nothing oh, for all like she sure. did on Buffy my god that's crazy yeah so then we um, gabe where are we in the plot <laughs> yeah okay so we have just gotten to is this where mod fakes being angel right. and calls yes. cordelia mm-hmm. yes you're right and i guess it's because it, i when i was watching the scene i was like that's weird that we get the answering machine but it's important for later that she picks mm-hmm. up and it like records on the answering machine as they would do back then where it records the whole convo and it's Angel's voice, but we learn it's Maud trapping her to come back to the apartment. My notes here are jumping around. Oh, so then like Doyle goes back to Angel Investigations. Angel calls from what he found out about Kate from Kate. And I do like the little bit of Doyle saying, uh, we hope you're helpless. Like he doesn't yeah. know what to say when answering <laughs> the phone. Mm-hmm. And like they had been mocking Cordelia for that earlier. But I like that Doyle like can't even. Yeah, the phone like correctly. also can't execute it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we cut to Cordelia in her apartment apartment the ghost is like taunting her and making her hang herself which we found out was her mo from kate's info yeah like angel was like oh yeah like what appears to be a suicide and i kept i kept forgetting all episode the two things i kept forgetting this episode were one that they were under the presumption that the son killed her just because i know i knew where it was going that i kept Mm. being like oh right they don't think it's the ghost Mm -hmm. they think like she thinks that they think the son murdered her. And two, I kept forgetting that Dennis wasn't gay um, because it just would yeah. make more sense that Cordelia would have a gay ghost who like stands yeah. her and is like, oh my God, queen, yes, we can live together. <laughs> it would be a lot less creepy if he was gay. Right? Yeah. 
Also, Dennis is one of the faces. There are all those like crying faces at the beginning of the credits. Yeah. And I'm like, who are they? Are they important? And then slowly started realizing they're just like randos from different episodes. So Dennis is one of the faces. Uh, I'm yes. glad I found him. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I so we get she, the, the ghost gets Cordelia hung in her apartment living room. But Angel and Doyle arrive and kind of this is when like chaos starts ensuing. And I do. I hate seeing Cordelia crying, but I like it for what we get for like where it goes. They burst in. They're trying to do Kim. Is it an exorcism officially? What is it they're trying to do? Oh, they have some sort of spell. I don't know if they call it an extra. Maybe they call it an exorcism spell or something. But Doyle's got that box of stuff he got with like the bile or whore's hair or something. (laughs) As in in an animal. H-O-A-R. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So they're trying to do the spell and. You know, angels chanting in Latin and everything, and then it's not working. And Doyle's got a chant in Latin, and there's some joke if you've ever t- taken Latin. I have not, so I didn't get it. And then, yeah, the demons come and bust down the door, and then it's like total chaos because the ghost is trying to make stuff happen, and then the demons are trying to fight everyone. And Mama Ghost leads Cordy back into that back room. I I, I actually love when the demon. So like there's like that one human guy and he's like what's that and the other demon's like it's a ghost ignore her like i like how <laughs> like eh, whatever just a fucking ghost <laughs> i do like this this scene and i feel like they do a good job of uh kind of building to it when everyone's wires get crossed and they all converge on the apart like the entrance is just a little too perfect right like the timing right. is like a little too <laughs> coincidental how do they find cordelia's apartment what's going on but i do i i love it because i think it really raises the stakes for that confrontation and it's it's interesting because like we've got a physical fight scene and sort of like the more emotional climax of the show happening concurrently. And I think what's happening with Cordelia and the ghost is way more compelling um, to me and a lot more dynamic. But yeah. Well, I feel like on these shows, we always, we talk about this a lot, especially with Buffy too. Like there needs to be like a fight fight scene. Right. right? And I felt like they needed like an actiony fight scene. It couldn't just be Cordelia like telling off a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so they needed to have like the fight going on. And for me, this is the best way to do that. Like, all right, yeah, that's the action. But like the interesting part is like Cordelia, like broken. And I I, I like that, you know, we got the line of even Angel being like, damn it, you're Cordelia Chase. And like, but she was too upset. And the ghost is like whispering shit. Mm-hmm. And then it pulls her into the bedroom because it wants her to uh, appear to have killed herself while the ghost is the one doing it. But the ghost is even like, brings her in there and Cordelia's crying and uh then the the ghost like has a confrontation with her and we're gonna have uh, a reading of this scene with uh <laughs> summer you'll be playing cordelia and gabe Yay. you'll be playing ghost mom uh Maud. thanks <laughs> can't wait i'm sorry you better be sorry you stupid little bitch i'm a bitch Take off the bed sheets, make a noose. Go on, it'll all be over soon. I'm not a sniveling, whiny little cry buffy. I'm the nastiest girl in Sunnydale history. I take crap from no one. You are going to make yourself a noose and put it around. Back off, Polygrip. You think you're bad? Being all mean and haunty, picking on poor, pathetic Cordy. Well, get ready to haul your wrinkly, translucent ass out of this place because, lady, the bitch is back. 
Do you think that I'm going to take that from trash like you? I tell you what I think. I think you're going to pack your little ghost bags and get the hell out of my house. (laughs) That was fantastic. Oh my God, that's so funny. She had to make a lot of crazy lines work. Right? (laughs) I'm looking at this cold and I'm like, I wish I had a day with this because (laughs) I got to ground the fuck out of it. You could really sit with back off polygrip for a long time. Like That's a strong emotional turn there. Well, Summer, you nailed it in one. So. <laughs> oh, wow. It's funny when you see it written, you're like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's the shit they had to make work. Right. It's always, I always say with this show, mm-hmm. like, it, the, if a lesser actor had delivered these lines, they wouldn't yeah. sound stupid, right? Like, right? It would have been the, ri- it would have been the craziest <laughs> bitch in Sunnydale. Yeah, yeah. but so i love that moment um summer what do you think of this end moment oh my god it's amazing i loved watching it i was like yes yes yes." (laughs) uh kim what do you think of it Oh yeah, there's like a total. You, we can see the the. You don't just hear the switch flipping her. You like see the switch flipping her. Yeah, and yeah. she gets called a bitch, and like you know, be, if you're a Buffy fan, like you kind of know what, what's about to happen almost. Yeah, and yeah, I like the I like the dialogue for her, like the the words too. Uh, I thought it was just really effective. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like her, uh, yeah, her delivery. You're right, Kim. It's that she starts with the like. Like you said, Zimmer, she like starts off with like the like she's crying still, and then she like picks it up and is like, "Wait a minute, fuck you!" Like I mm-hmm. love that shit. Um, Gabe, what do you? Gabe, you did a fantastic mod voice. I like it was very uh, camp. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I so really. Uh, we're we're bringing it to Broadway. Um, we're going to be doing Room with a View the musical. I'll be Ooh. starring as Beth Grant slash mod. It's going to be thrilling. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! I'll say I'll promo my co-host on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you think of the scene? Um, I do really love it i love this confrontation i love the kind of like end of the horror movie because like i feel like they've been doing send-ups to so many yeah. horror films what, what was the one you mentioned earlier uh nightmare on elm street yeah and it also kind of remind me reminded me of norma bates uh like yeah. norman bates's mom and then like the psycho novel that character felt like very much a mishmash of that and like uh i don't know sort of a mommy dearest vibe it was chaotic <laughs> and it was it was very campy but i don't know i, I just i really liked i i've had i've felt mixed feelings about this like whole ghost haunting thing like i did think it was a little heavy-handed at times but i i don't know i think it fits the overall vibe of the show and i like that the language in this is so ridiculous while we're still getting a like kind of like sincere emotional moment uh kind of like an emotional epiphany from cordelia in this moment so it was nice to see that struggle kind of externalized through the supernatural in the story which I thought made it um, a lot more compelling. And yeah, man, she really made some great lines work. Even when she's just like having to stand in a room and say, am I being punished out loud when we like get, that's <laughs> what she's going through. Like, I believe it. Um, and with the amount of like green screening, uh, I'm sure they did for this as well. Like I can't imagine what that must've been like. So I, it's just a really great catharsis for this, this uh, plot. I think I forget about that sometimes how like she probably was acting to like opposite no one at some point. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I I I mean Summer, you probably had to do that at some point, right? Um I wouldn't say I ever had to. Well, let me think. Um there was a moment where I was on a boat talking to like an an artificial tree on a boat. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I would say that was to no one. <laughs> yes, that, I think that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's what I can think of. I was off uh, the top of my head. <laughs> What's that like, like giving delivery to like a wall? I mean, you know, when you're dealing with serious content that you mm. feel is important, um, I mean, hopefully you're engaged and present enough that it doesn't feel like that. Also, like for that scene particularly, it mm. she, my character probably did feel awkward about talking to this like artificial tree on a boat. True. <laughs> I think there was an element of strangeness to that conversation so it was okay if it felt strange um but like also like it is it's part of the job you know i mean there's a lot of moments where like you're another actor is not always going to be able like i've had people have to catch flights before Mm -hmm. and their coverage is done and i'm not talking about specifically magicians just throughout my career yeah and there's been important scenes and they've had to get on their flight because they got to get back to their kids or, mm. you know, whatever. And their coverage is done and it's three in the morning and you're doing this, the scene to, you know, nothing or, a sta- <laughs> you know, some wall or cross on a wall. So I think it's just part <laughs> of the job, honestly. Yeah. Like used to it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Gabe, have you, Gabe, have you ever had to act to no one? Um, uh, you know, uh, when there are very few people in the audience. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes <laughs> some stage plays have really been a, it's been a yeah. challenge there. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. I will say I um I would almost rather act to no one than do an audition where there's like an assistant reading opposite you. Like I would almost like I've been to some of the the weirdest auditions where it's like, you know, you're supposed to be like very emotional or something's supposed to be very heated. And like whoever's doing the reading, it they're just like absolutely monotone. It's like, how could you? What a betrayal. Leave my home immediately, and it's like I just maybe let's sit in silence. I would maybe let's do that. (laughs) Yeah, let me record the other lines and play them back to my fucking self. Honestly, that's what I'm going to start doing with self tapes because I I just I can't rely on readers anymore. (laughs) I can't. I've my boyfriend is my captive reader. I feel so bad for him. I'm going to start paying him like five percent. It's just really. The poor man has been so yeah. patient. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, if any of you ever need a reader, I am down. I'm not a good actor, but I'm willing to try. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we, she disperses the ghost, right? And then I love that she comes out and Doyle's like, you did it. And she's like, yeah, well, she pissed me off. Like, <laughs> yeah. So casual about it. And then we get the moment where she's like momentarily possessed and we get... Kim, I know that you will know my what I'm thinking of. What is the what is the famous story where this is a thing? Cask of Amontillado. So it was yes. funny. Gabe was just saying how there's all these like horror callbacks, and I was like, so of course we get the the Poe mm. reference because he's like yeah. the godfather of American horror, right? The godfather of the American Gothic. Right. So because yeah. at first I was like mm, cheesy a Poe reference, but I guess <laughs> if they're, if they're doing all this horror stuff in this episode, then like you know, gotta call yeah. Poe. Yeah, right? Like, I feel like that does, like, fit. If we're having horror references and have, like, a horror literature reference, like, Yeah, yeah, totally. And also, I mean, there is some ambiguity over whether or not the mother actually intended to, like, murder her son in that way. And I like that, like, because she has a heart attack and dies. And I'd like to imagine that she just leaves him in there for, like, an hour or two and then, Mm. you know, takes it down and is like, you know, don't marry that person. Right. Uh, But instead she dies and therefore, like, also kills her son unintentionally which is i mean almost like awfuler 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually think that scene is like really, I like that scene the way we get the flashback and like, like that song, that song is, I couldn't remember where it's what, like there's another show that it played in. Um, and I couldn't, I was like, is it the Buffy episode where she finds out angels evil and it's her birthday at the end? I don't think it is, <laughs> but like, I know that it's played at the end of something else sad in a TV show that I love, but I thought the music was good. And like mm-hmm. the way they like the sun screaming is like very, like they don't like skimp on how like upsetting that is, right? That it's like this mother putting her son in the wall, mm-hmm. and he's just like his muffled screams are like pretty upsetting. And like I just I think that it's like a really well done flashback to show you what actually happened because I I kept forgetting. Oh right, the characters were thinking that the mother was murdered, but it actually the mother was murdered. The mother killed her son after she had this heart attack. And I I do like what you said, Kim. It's like almost like, oops, she had a heart attack. So maybe she wasn't going to kill him, but she still, she still did. Right. Yeah. There's just no way to tell. Yeah. So fucking dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I like that. Do you, is it, do you think it's too dark summer or does it work for you? I don't think it's too dark. I think they went there though. I yeah. would, like it starts out like as this funny zany instrument for Car- uh, Cordelia's like character establishment in the show. Mm. And like it's funny and it's zany the use of the ghost and kind of harmless. And then for me it got really serious when Kate was talking about how many suicides have happened in that yeah. house. That's when it was really serious. Um, and then it just got really fucking twisted yeah yeah and i i agree i I liked it what'd you what'd you think of it gabe um i it was like it was a lot you know what i mean it was like we were really trying to squeeze in a lot in that moment but Mm -hmm. i i do appreciate the tonal shift and that they did kind of like commit to making it an emotional moment rather than like a weird kind of like Mm -hmm. zany one in this like there are a lot of tonal shifts that i think work this episode flows really really well and i also love the payoff for this episode that dennis is like a constant presence that it's not just like a one-off episode thing that like there are a lot of callbacks to this reality in cordelia's apartment um and i think it's really nice when an episode uh spends a long time developing an interesting idea and like the rest of the series like hears it and incorporates it Yes, um, yes. So, like, I appreciate those little serialized uh, elements and, and callbacks in this. It's nice. Yeah, I think that's a thing that Buffy, the Buffy verse in general, totally. would do. Like, in early seasons, they didn't do it, but like, they did a pretty good job once they realized that it worked. Of like, oh, we're gonna plant this, and then we'll like keep going with it. And that's like a thing I love about these shows that they do that. I almost would have loved more of Phantom Dennis. Uh, then we, we got <laughs> the Phantom right? Dennis, not no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get the the very end. We get Cordelia, and like you said, Summer, she's like on the phone with her friend, and she's kind of like, kind of more comfortable in herself mm-hmm. at this moment. Like, right? It's like she's just like gossiping with her friend Aura, and like it's fine, right? Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah, she felt comfortable enough to be like, you know what? This isn't a bad life. I am doing right. well, and and I and I like that she's just coexisting with. She calls him Phantom Dennis, and she's just coexisting, right? She's like, don't touch that, which I would like to say he tries to get her diet root beer can, and I that's my uh-huh. sort of choice. So I felt yeah. very – I was like, oh, queen, me too. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad we got back and we saw that Dennis was like a friendly ghost in that moment because I was like, oh, are we not going to get friendly Dennis? Or was yeah, that going to yeah. surprise in a later episode? And I was also glad it didn't end on the like super vague Angel and Doyle conversation. 
which yeah. comes like right before it where they're like installing a deadbolt and Doyle's like, what's that going to do? And like, he's kind of trying to joke mm-hmm. and he was like, no, like you got to get your life together. And I was yeah. like, mm, don't end here. And then it didn't. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same things. It's like, oh, this is a story I don't care about. I don't want to end on this. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Gabe, what do you think of like phantom Dennis coexisting with her? <laughs> oh, I mean, I love it. Naturally. It's like a little creepy. It's giving like invisible man remake. I'm like, what? Um, but it's fine. <laughs> um, I also just like really like that, that it's not, uh, Cordelia doesn't have to undergo this like moment of penance yes. rather. It's like a moment of finding self-confidence, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I think is, is also like a, a fun inversion of one, what one might expect from yes. a Cordelia-esque character in like a haunting situation. But it's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I really appreciate the the payoff for this episode. It just sets so many important things in motion, like Cordelia's character arc and like sort of her growth moving forward, Phantom Dennis, Natch, and the apartment that I guess temporarily becomes their headquarters for a hot second, which is like really funny yeah. to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think she lives in that apartment like until season four, I think. I was, she said she's not leaving, Ian. <laughs> she fucking she's not, She went through shit for that, okay? <laughs> it is rent controlled. I would I would go through more in New York to get a rent controlled apartment. Yes, right. Like, why, give me a two episode arc, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now that we are here at the end, uh, favorite outfit, Kim? Oh, and Angel was just wearing the towel. Okay, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, Summer? You know what? I liked Angel's smoking robe, like his like, smoking jacket robe. Yes. I liked Cordelia's like Y2K thong sandal platform. <laughs> I, they're making a comeback and I'm so here for it. And I, I really, I continue to like what wardrobe was doing for Doyle with the pattern mixing. Yes. Like even his t-shirt with that, like it had that beautiful pattern, his shirt, but underneath even his t-shirts were like layered so that the collar was like double layered. And like, there's just so much detail work in his wardrobe and you can tell wardrobe's having so much fun with it. I, I really appreciated that as well. So like there was a lot of looks I really enjoyed in this episode. You know what I also like about Doyle? That it is, at least I think it is, the same jacket. Like they're like yes. consistent that he's like always wearing that like brownish, like shinier. Jacket. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite outfit, I'm going to go same thing as you, Summer. I, I actually love like Angel in that robe. I've never been more attracted to him. Those like small box of briefs and yeah. necklace. But I actually also really like Cordelia in the denim jacket. I thought she looked cute in that. Yeah, all her looks are so cute. And they're yeah. like they're becoming so current again. Right. It is weird that a lot of that shit is like circling back. I can't but wait. I, I'm so here for it. <laughs> I still refuse to ever go back into baggy jeans. I just cannot. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You remember that opening scene in Clueless where they're all like the baggy? I yeah. And those jeans like <laughs> Even then it felt, I don't, yeah, I just, I can't go back to the, the baggie. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm too gay. <laughs> favorite scene. We're probably all going to have the same one. Gabe. Hey, didn't tell us our, his favorite outfit, did he? Oh, thank you. I actually did yeah. have uh, one oh. in mind. My oh, favorite was already mentioned. It's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm no fashion expert, but <laughs> I'm happy to weigh in. I also hate baggy jeans. Um, Okay, so my shout-outs, obviously, Angel in the smoking jacket, Cordelia's hair, the entire episode looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And then Mods, I'm burying my son in the wall look was actually, <laughs> yeah, actually a serve. Okay, <laughs> if we go back, she's wearing this, like, really chic right. headpiece, some subtle pearls, a strong, like, 
kind of baby blue and cream colored outfit with some mm-hmm. beautiful details. So, you know, if you're going to bury your son, do it in style. <laughs> do it in style. Do it in style, you know babe. Actually, you just bringing that up, I'm like, I wonder if her outfit is also a callback to a horror movie because she's almost dressed like the woman from Rosemary's Baby, oh. right? Like she kind of is a little bit the woman that like oh. she looks through people and sees her. Yeah, someone's got to write a paper for a conference yeah. about like oh, all the yeah. horror references in this Angel episode. <laughs> uh, favorite scene. Gabe? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is a very tricky one. I think it's actually got to be when Cordelia denies eating the peanut butter. I just really love it. <laughs> it gets me every time. She's so good. <laughs> uh, Kim? I'm going to go with the the Cordy's flip getting switched uh, yeah. that we had. The, the scene that was red. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's too. There are other great scenes. Like there are other like really funny moments where I laughed pretty, pretty good, but that's the good. That's yeah. the, the most important scene in the episode, and I think it was the best one. Yeah, uh, Summer. I agree. I thought it was a beautiful scene. It was. It was. It was such a establishing moment for her, yeah. and such a good moment, and so well played. Yeah, and to no one's surprise, I have that same, same, same um, scene as my favorite. Uh, what grade do we give this episode, Professor Timberly? I'm gonna go with an A. I was trying to think of you know, as a professor, I'm always like. Okay, what did they do wrong so that I can dock some points so I'm not going to give them 100? <laughs> then, like, I, I feel like everything just worked. Like, even the stuff that wasn't the best, maybe that, the vagueness around the B plot, but whatever. No, we're, we're going to go with an A. All right, all right. Uh, Summer? I give it an A plus, too. I, 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 I thought it was one of the best written episodes of the entire series. Nice. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Gabe? I'll give it a solid A. Maybe not an A+. Plus. There were, you know, a couple of, like, heavy-handed moments and, like, weird moments to drag. But, like, honestly, I just love that they knew what to do, which was um, give Cordelia real estate here. And, again, it set so many important pieces in motion. It was just very well written besides those moments that did drag or seem a little heavy. And I just, like, I don't know. I really loved seeing Charisma Carpenter kind of just, like, lead this episode. So definitely a solid A for me. Yeah, that's – yeah, same. I, I give it an A. Um I agree with everything everyone said. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you all for joining me. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon, which helps keep this podcast going. Everyone in this recording has been on Patreon episodes before. We're currently covering Harley Quinn Season 2 and What If Season 1. And uh, if you want to find us on social, we are at SlayerFest x98 on all social media platforms i am at ian x carlos gabe where can everyone find you yeah um so you can find me on social twitter and instagram uh using the handle gay bones g-a-y-b-o-n-e-z it's a terrible college nickname and uh my website gabe is dot gay that url does work i promise <laughs> i love that url uh summer where can everyone find you at summer Bishel one on twitter summary Bishel on instagram and kim I'm at Kim and Joe South on Twitter. All right. Well, thank you all. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.